Fellas, fellas, how's everybody doing? My name's Austin Abbott, and today, today is a big day here on Fade Consensus Podcast. Today, Sunday, August 8th, I am releasing my Dynasty and Redraft rankings, and this will consist of overall player rankings, quarterback rankings, running back rankings, wide receiver, and tight end rankings. In order to have access to them, you just have to go to my Twitter, at AustinAbbottFF, you go to my bio, you see the link, the link tree underneath my account, and you simply click it and then click the rankings button. Super easy, super convenient, and the best part is everything is free. So here on the pod lately, what we've been doing is just breaking down like four or five players each day, and I'm going to keep that going. The first player we're talking about today, he's one of the best athletes in the entire NFL. His name is Chase Claypool, straight out of Notre Dame. Chase Claypool is 6'4", 240, a mid-second round pick a year ago, 23 years old, giant wingspan, great speed. He ran a 4'4", 89th percentile, crazy good speed score, crazy good burst score. And you wonder why the rookie ended up with 11 touchdowns last year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Chase Claypool had the exact type of season you want to have from a rookie wide receiver. He finished as wide receiver 24 As a rookie, Chase Claypool had one more target than Adam Thielen. He had 109 targets on the season, 62 receptions. That's a very good number right there. 873 yards. A guy like LaVisca Chanel had 600. So all of these numbers as a rookie and 11 touchdowns, all of these numbers are great, man. Very good. Checks a lot of boxes analytically. And he's checking one of the biggest boxes of all. That is NFL production. One of the best parts about Chase Claypool's game is his size, right? You can't teach size, and you also cannot teach speed, and Chase Claypool has both. Big Ben, he still has a big arm, whether you like it or not. It may not be as good as it once was, but he's got a big arm, and Chase Claypool, a giant body, is always going to be a very big red zone threat, right? There's a reason he caught 11 11 touchdown passes last year. He's huge. It's difficult to stop him. It's difficult to cover him, especially in contested passes. Um, You look at someone like Deontay Johnson or Juju, you know, those guys are great players as well, and they're going to have to be covered. Deontay may be double covered more often than not this year, which is going to leave Chase Claypool open. I always hit on player contracts. Player contracts are super vital. They're super important, especially in Dynasty. You look at Juju Smith-Schuster. He just signed with the Steelers for a one-year contract. If Juju manages to leave next year, which which I believe he's going to, right? I think Pittsburgh and Juju are going to go their separate ways. Juju had offers from Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Kansas City. I mean, look, man, what I'm saying is I believe Juju 100% will be on a different roster next year. And, and if that is true, if that's true, which is a very good chance, if it is true, that's going to be huge for Chase Claypool's fantasy value. I mean, that's going to be roughly 130, 140 vacated targets, right? And Chase Claypool is going to get a lot of those. I'm not saying he's getting all of them, right? Because Deontay's still there. And I think Deontay is such a great player. But Chase Claypool is also going to feed off of the departure of Juju a year from today. And I just want to say that I do like Chase Claypool more in Dynasty than I do in Redraft. This season, I I am not head over heels for him. I just think it's very obvious there's a lot of mouths to feed with with the three big wide receivers. I don't expect Eric Ebron to do much. But then you got Najee Harris. That may be the biggest issue, the biggest addition that the Steelers brought in this year. And, you know, they spent first-round draft cap on him. So, of course, they're going to use the kid. He was the first running back drafted in all of college football. I do expect Najee Harris to be a top-10 running back this year. And if that is true, 
that means Najee Harris will get at minimum like 280, 300 plus total touches, right? And think about all that volume that's going to be taken away from Chase Claypool and all the other Pittsburgh wide receivers. Last year, Pittsburgh was the worst statistically running team in the entire league. Now, I mean, their line still stinks. Yes, it still stinks. 100% still bad. But just keep in mind, man, they're, they're going to finally be able to not be one-dimensional, rely on the run, rely on Najee Harris, and and that is why I'm not crazy about Chase Claypool for this season. Again, Dynasty, Chase Claypool is a lot more valuable. And just, just keep in mind, like, there's a lot that's changing in Pittsburgh, man. You figure Ben's gone in maybe a year. This might be his last season. So Pittsburgh will likely have a new starting quarterback. Juju could be gone. Najee will have his workload carved out. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, they're, they're really fluctuating. They're changing a lot. And this is all going to happen just within one year. I don't want this to sound negative. Like, Chase Claypool is a very good player. I don't, I don't want any of this to sound negative. It's, it's just like these are con- players' contracts that you have to pay attention to. These are decisions and moves that are likely going to occur. I expect Big Ben to retire after this year. I expect Juju to walk after this year. I, I, again, like, like there's just so many variables that come into play. And do I think that Deontay and Chase Claypool can both eat while Najee's on the roster? Yeah, absolutely. I, I 100% believe that. A few final things on Chase Claypool. He has a player comp of Brandon Marshall. That's awesome. Brandon Marshall was phenomenal from start to finish of his career. Such a great player. Borderline Hall of Famer. He was that good. Chase Claypool's college target share was also phenomenal. 87th percentile, 286 that was his college target share. That is very good. Very good. And historically speaking, Chase Claypool, he met the thresholds. He, he met the requirements for some very big numbers as a rookie. You got to look at it, you know, 60 plus receptions, 800 plus yards, and 11 total touchdowns. And he was a wide receiver too. Historically speaking, man, players like this with good analytics, which he also has, great draft cap, round two, good landing spot. I mean, dude, Everything makes sense for Chase Claypool. Everything makes sense, and he's on a great path to succeed. Do I think Chase Claypool is a top 15 wide receiver? No, absolutely not. Do I think Chase Claypool is an awesome player to roster in Dynasty? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. He checks so many boxes. He's got proven NFL production. I cannot stress how important, how vital that is. And the kid is going to have an even better sophomore season. Let's get weird. Let's talk about a player I don't like, Michael Carter, New York Jets' new running back. Yesterday, we talked about Elijah Moore. That is my favorite pick that the Jets had in the entire draft. I think that was the one pick that I truly enjoyed. I was, I was very happy to see they landed Elijah Moore. Someone that I wasn't super infatuated or thrilled with, however, is Michael Carter, the running back that they drafted out of UNC in the fourth round this year. Michael Carter comes in at 5'8", 201 pounds, 22 years old. The best part about his uh, workout metrics was his agility score, 98th percentile. That was incredible. His 40-yard dash, his speed is something that worries me. 50th percentile, so very average. Very average. He ran a 4.54 on his pro day. I know UNC didn't always have the strongest competition, but they played against some some competent defenses. His college yards per carry ranked 97th percentile. It was 8 yards a carry, to be exact. Michael Carter played 40 years at North Carolina. The first two years, his freshman, sophomore year, he didn't do a whole lot. He did not crack 600 yards either year. His junior and his senior year, he was given more workload. He played more games. He had more rushing attempts. The volume went up, everything. And he managed to have back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons and zero fumbles. That is impressive right there. I'll give Michael Carter that. 
One of the player comps I keep seeing from Michael Carter is Devonta Freeman, right? The Falcons old running back. And, and fellas, right now, Michael Carter's ADP is sitting at 89th overall per underdog ADP. So he's basically, let's call it 90th, right? So he's basically going in the very beginning of the ninth round. Again, I'm not a Michael Carter guy. I didn't think his college production was as good as I would have liked. I don't love his measurables, and I don't love the landing spot. But but at the end of the day, Michael Carter is, he. you can argue he is a low-risk, high-reward type of player because he could be the running back one for the Jets, right? The Jets don't have another good running back. Tevin Coleman is not good, right? And he may be the lead back at the moment. But you can argue that this is a very low-risk, low-risk meaning you get in a start, a potential starting running back in the ninth round, and high reward. High reward being, you know, a starting running back potentially, and you're, you're just getting them so late, right? And God for God forbid there's an injury with Tevin Coleman or you know something else happens along those lines. I mean, it's going to be wheels up for Michael Carter, and Michael Carter is someone that that I just I don't like the player. I don't like the talent, but but there's a lot that does make sense. And remember, there's there, uh, something else that makes sense is Zach Wilson being a rookie. More often than not, rookie quarterbacks lean on their running backs. And even though Michael Carter isn't established in the NFL or, or successful just yet, he's going to be getting volume. The Jets did draft this kid for a reason because they liked him, right? And, and, you know, they desperately needed a running back. I mean, the Jets also have Michael P. Ryan and Ty Johnson, but they're not going to do anything at all. And I always say, pay attention to contracts. You look at Tevin Coleman's contract, it's a one-year, $1 million deal. It's very small. The Jets can can confidently part ways with this player. And remember, fellas, Tevin Coleman's going to be 29 years old. He's heading into the seventh season. He had some success early in his career, right? He was RB17, RB18, RB22. But over the past two years, he was RB39, RB118. And now he's on a one-year deal with the New York Jets getting paid $1 million. Do you really think Tevin Coleman's going to do anything this year? Do you really want to invest draft cap in him? No, absolutely not. This is a player you should pass over all day in every single league. I don't care how late Tevin Coleman falls. You pass. You let this soon-to-be 29-year-old running back go, and you go draft much later Michael Carter if possible. I just personally don't want to own either Jet running back for fantasy purposes, but but if there is one to own, it is Michael Carter in redraft and in dynasty. And hey, man, the last thing I'll say is, look, at the end of the day, Michael Carter is a low-risk, high-reward type of player. If you want to go after him, go for it, man. It's He's late. He's, he's going to the ninth or the 10th round. Go for it. You're, get, you're getting a potential starting running back that late. If you want to do it, by all means, I support it, but, I, but I'm going to be staying away from Michael Carter this season. Two more players I want to talk about, then we're getting out of here. Fellas, I am so high on this player this season. His name is Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, 6'2", 208, low-key, he's a big dog, man. Low-key, Cooper Cup is really big, great measurables, and he's one year removed from the wide receiver five overall. It's like, do people forget that? Like, like I understand recency bias is a thing, but like, fellas, one year ago, he was wide receiver five. Where'd the love go for Cooper Cup? I mean, Brandon Cooks is gone. Where'd the love go for Cooper Cup? Because he was banged up for one game last year. He still played 15 games because he had a little bit of a down year. I'm here to fight every single Robert Woods truther out there. I'm here to give some love to my boy Cooper Cup. I don't own any Cooper Cup shares. I wish I did. Cooper Cup's going to be very, very good in redraft. Dynasty, that's a different story. That's someone you might want to part ways with after this year, after it gets real hot or something, sell top dollar. Let's talk Cooper Cup redraft. Here we go. 
Weird thing is, Cooper Cup's 28 and like it kind of feels like he's been in the league for a while, man. But he's only going into his fifth season. Cup is going into his second season of his four-year contract with the Rams. The biggest addition of the entire offseason, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford is going to send Cooper Cup's stock to the moon this season for redraft. And keep in mind, Cam Akers, the beloved Cam Akers who everyone loves, he's out for the rest of the season, fellas. What does that mean? It means that like this team is going to be a lot more one-dimensional than you think. This team is going to rely on the passing game. This team, the Los Angeles Rams, brought in Matthew Stafford for a reason because they were not happy with Jared Goff. They wanted more. Pa- they they wanted better passing volume. They wanted better stats in the passing game. That is why they brought Matthew Stafford in, and Cooper Cup. And Robert Woods should both be very valuable this season, right? And I don't even know which one's bigger. The fact that they brought in Matthew Stafford or Cam Akers is done for the year. I don't know which event is bigger, but both of them, both of those things that occurred, they're just pure gold for Cooper Cup's fantasy value. And I, I love Cam Akers as much as the next guy. It's terrible. I, and I don't I don't mean to sound like like happy that Cam Akers is hurt. I, I Wish the best for Cam Akers, his family. And and I pray that he comes back stronger and better than ever from this injury. Last year, Cooper Cup literally caught 92 passes. That is phenomenal. That is phenomenal. How good is 92 catches, though? That ranked ninth in the league last year. He had more receptions than Calvin Ridley, Justin Jefferson, Robert Woods, Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, Tyreek Hill, DK Metcalf. So even in a quote-unquote down year for Cooper Cup, he still did pretty damn well with 92 receptions, right? And and keep in mind, fellas, he had just under 1,000 yards, 974. Let's just pencil that in for roughly 1,000 yards. The part that killed him last year was three touchdowns. Do you think that's going to happen again next year? No, of course not. Cooper Cup is going to probably have like three touchdowns by week two next year. It's going to literally be the middle of September, and Cooper Cup will have two or three touchdowns. He's going to match his numbers from last year. You've seen it in the past. I've seen it in the past. Everyone's seen it. Matthew Stafford has one dominant receiver that he's he's loved throughout his career. It's been Calvin Johnson, Kenny Galladay, and now I firmly believe it may be Cooper Cup. I think he's going to be the guy in Los Angeles. I, I really do, fellas. Cooper Cup, when he killed it in 2019, when he was receiver five overall, he had 10 touchdowns. So Cooper Cup has that high type of touchdown upside. He's done it before, and I think that he's going to do it again. As a rookie, Cup finished as wide receiver 25. That's very good. That's basically what identical to what Chase Claypool did. His, his stat line is, is like oddly identical. He had the same amount of receptions as Chase Claypool. He was literally within like five yards of Chase Claypool as a rookie, and he just had five or six less touchdowns. Holy crap, that's crazy. So so think of this. Cooper Cup's rookie year was was <laughs> literally identical to Chase Claypool's, just just less touchdowns, right? And then the following year. Cooper Cup got hurt. The following year, Cooper Cup erupted, erupted wide receiver five. And then this year was a little bit of a down year, wide receiver 26. But it's because of the touchdowns. If the touchdowns were there, man, the yards weren't off by that much. The receptions were almost spot on. I firmly believe Cooper Cup is going to have a stat line of 90 receptions next year, probably about 1,100 yards. And I'll give him 8 to 12 touchdowns. I'll give him as high as 12. I think Cooper Cup is going to feast, man. Van Jefferson... Deshaun Jackson, uh, Tyler Higby. I mean, come on. These guys are not going to be taking vital work, volume, targets, receptions away from Cooper Cup. Very, very little. 
It's only going to be Robert Woods. That's his only competition. And Cooper Cup, straight up, he's established. He's successful. He's proven. Huge upgrade at quarterback for in terms of passing yards. And their run game. What's going on with that, man? Hey, that leads me to the final player we're talking about today is Daryl Henderson. You all remember like two years ago, that bright new shiny toy out of Memphis, Daryl Henderson. Everyone loved 5'9", 200 pounds. Crazy, crazy good junior year. 1,900 rushing yards on the ground. 300 receiving yards, 25 total touchdowns, 70th overall pick, third round, Todd Gurley's knees not looking too good. Everybody, and I mean everybody and their mother, loved Daryl Henderson. What happened, man? Do people still have love for him? Cam Akers is gone. Is it wheels up for Daryl Henderson? Is it going to be the Daryl Henderson show? And he wasn't just a one-hit wonder in college, man. His sophomore year, he had 1,150 rushing yards. The Rams' offensive line has improved so much over the past year, over the past several years. And and you look at 23-year-old Daryl Henderson, did nothing as a rookie. His second year, this past year, just finished running back 36. Fellas, there's a reason that this kid has such a great path for success. And it's not only because of the Cam Akers injury. It is because Malcolm Brown is out of town. And it is literally, I mean, it is literally as wide open as it gets for Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson had 138 rushing attempts for 624 yards last year. Cam Akers had 145 rushing attempts for 625 yards. It's funny. You guys love Cam Akers, including myself. We all love Cam Akers. And he had Malcolm Brown there last year competing with him. All of a sudden, both of those players are gone, man. And Daryl Henderson, who literally had one less rushing yard, one single less rushing yard than Cam Akers last year, he had a better yards per carry than Cam Akers. He gets a huge upgrade at quarterback, which a lot of you think. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like nobody cares. It's like you guys don't even care about Daryl Henderson. Do you think Daryl Henderson, if given the proper workload this year, and there's no one that they bring in, right? They don't bring in like, let's say like Le'Veon Bell or, or any vet, any running back vet out there. If they don't do that, I, I 100% believe this. Do you guys think Daryl Henderson could be a late RB2? Like, I'm talking like running back 22 or 24. I do. I personally think so. Do I think Daryl Henderson can crack 1,000 yards? Honestly, maybe. Maybe. I don't know, man. L- listen to the, some of these running backs that didn't crack 1,000 yards. You have running backs like Ezekiel Elliott finished ninth overall, RB9. He didn't have 1,000 yards. Kareem Hunt, RB10. He didn't have 1,000 yards. You look at Mike Davis, RB12, Antonio Gibson, RB13, Melvin Gordon, RB14, Kenyon Drake, RB15, Naeem Hines had 380 rushing yards, was RB16. I understand Daryl Henderson will not catch as many passes as a lot of these running backs I'm listing, but like, look man, if JD McKissick could be RB17 last year, come on. Ronald Jones, he didn't get that much volume last year. He was RB19. I mean, David Johnson was RB21. Fellas, I think you're lying to yourself if you don't believe Daryl Henderson can be a top 24 running back last year, man. When you look at some of these numbers, and, and I mean, Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds did nothing last year. He was RB25. Chase Ed- Chase Edmonds. Now, does RB25 or 24 get you anywhere in fantasy? No, it doesn't help you win. It does not separate yourself from the rest of the team. But look, man, if there's one thing you take away from this episode, remember this. Daryl Henderson's ADP right now is 49 overall per underdog. That means you can get a starting running back in the very beginning of the sixth round or late fifth, 
And and when you think you could potentially have a running back that could be RB15 overall in the sixth round, man, you, you take it all day. I mean, Daryl Henderson ran a 4-4-9, ran, ran a 4-4-9 40-yard time, right? That is 81st percentile. That's so good. Good speed score. If Henderson is given the workload and he scores 10 touchdowns, he could finish as high as, like, honest to God, like, RB14, RB15, no problem. He has, His player comp is Maurice Jones-Drew, which is actually really sick. Um, but, but again, I think, I think Daryl Henderson literally could finish his RB 14 or 15. I wouldn't be surprised. Melvin Gordon, Kenyon Drake, these guys didn't hit a thousand yards last year. Kenyon Drake literally had 25 receptions. Melvin Gordon had 32. I mean, that's nothing in a 17 game season, man. Daryl Henderson could smash both of those numbers and who knows what if he's healthy and the Rams don't bring anyone in and he breaks a thousand yards. I understand it's a lot of ifs, but it's all very possible because Malcolm Brown is gone. Cam Akers is gone, and Matthew Stafford is in. Fellas, we're getting out of here. I didn't realize how high I am on Daryl Henderson, but I think it's going to be a good year for him, man. I really do. Fingers crossed. Let's hope the Rams do not bring any valuable running back free agents in. This is Fade Consensus Podcast. My name's Austin Abbott. I love y'all. I'm getting out of here. Peace.